Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you today? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. You know, it's uh, uh, my wife is due any day now. So, That's uh, very exciting news. I know. I know. Second little one on the way. Oh. So uh, I've, I've got my eyes on my phone here. I, I don't know what you're going to do if I have to leave, if Nicole. If you just suddenly walk to... out, I, I, might, I, I do have a microphone in my car. Perhaps I can figure out how to do this recording. We'll just, we'll just start playing some music. I don't know. Some classic rock maybe we'll play lullabies we'll start singing and- i like that idea i like that idea but awesome. in the meantime let's do a show tonight nicole we've got a wonderful guest here we've got lauren maxi she's an attorney and partner with nc planning and lauren is here to help us out as we are going to discuss some tips and tricks for uh ease of administration you know some things that we need to talk about and plan with our loved ones before and before they pass and there's things that happen after they pass so lauren thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You know, I really appreciate you coming to talk about this topic, Lauren. I know a lot of times there's there's so much confusion that family members have, especially after the time of caring, right? Because suddenly, you know, you before they while you were caregiving, perhaps if you had hospice in place or things of that mm-hmm. nature, you had a lot of people surrounding you, mm-hmm. and then suddenly, when you're starting to think about, well, what happens to all of the things that I was doing before from exactly. a from a legal perspective? Does that continue on once the person? passes do, do is what I do I is what I have access to does actually change and there's a lot of mm-hmm. confusion about that and then of course healthcare professionals are not always armed with the information that they feel comfortable with sharing because they're not attorneys, right? We all know enough Correct. to be dangerous, Correct. but we just kind of go, oh, you know, yeah. you talk to our attorney about that. So Absolutely. And that's definitely one of the things that we're very passionate about talking with our clients because it's empowering your loved ones, feeling comfortable to step mm-hmm. in and help mm-hmm. uh so often it's a taboo topic to talk about money, to talk about the intricacies of where things are, mm-hmm. but very oftentimes, frankly, some of the most time-consuming and expensive administrations we see are people just trying to find things, mm-hmm. step in, help out. So that's something we encourage our clients to talk about with their loved ones. And that's something I just wanted to share with the audience here today uh, to get them beginning the conversations with their family. So how do we start that conversation? So it's it's sometimes multiple conversations. <laughs> Over Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, that, that is sometimes where it's broached. Most often it's after the turkey's been carved and done and maybe after some pie. Um, but it is, it's very oftentimes we see a jumping off point of, of children have gotten their plan in place. They mm-hmm. realize how incredibly important it is. And that relays into the discussion with mom, dad, what about your plan? What do you have in place? I've got my plan in place. And it's that natural bridge of a conversation of coming from a place of love and mm-hmm. caring mm-hmm. is naturally the best way to approach that, of course. It's not always easy. Different generations approach it different ways. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you see that a lot as sure. well. 
Um, so sometimes an older generation, they're not as comfortable talking about all of the detail. Right. We're playing it a little more close to the, the vest there. It's just they don't necessarily need to tell their children everything, and that's okay. It's how the children would step in and help. Having the breadcrumbs there is what I say to clients. It's funny. You know, you kind of think about, and, and I swear my, my father is of this mindset. It's like... You know, you watch the movies and then there's this dramatic scene when the person passes the reading of the will yeah. and you finally find out <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen, yeah. you know. And and so it, it just I feel like movies even set us up for yeah. this sort of the way we need to think about or the way we currently think about death and dying. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality of it is, is having some of those open conversations and especially if things are not necessarily going to be divided equally, Correct. you know, instead of having family members fight after you pass, have those conversations conversations now because those relationships potentially could be damaged forever. That's exactly it. And there's always a reason if there's a a disproportionate distribution or even if there's just certain family heirlooms Mm -hmm. in my family. Why did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, Mine was a Santa cup. We've we've got a (laughs) clock that doesn't keep time. It's going to my eldest brother. It was one of those sentimental pieces that are incredibly important in a family. Mm -hmm. So having those communications, whether it's over Thanksgiving dinner Um, I also have several clients that just have personal writings Mm -hmm. on the topic of here's what my plan is, here's why, rather than the, yes, the legal document needs to be clear and and perfect, of course, but then I'm a big fan of a personal writing to accompany that of here's what I was planning, here's why. So it it does um, certainly address both during life and after passing. Mm -hmm. Personal writings during life are just as important um, very oftentimes, especially with multiple children, I'm sure you see this, one child is kind of the go-to for all the communications on health care, on financial, mm-hmm. and the other children are oftentimes left in the dark. Mm-hmm. So having the communications of, I want to stay in my home, I want to use all of my assets to stay in my home, and, and that's my focus. If the, the child financial power of attorney is doing that and carrying out wishes, we don't want there to be conflict between the other children saying, what are we doing this for? What's right. the reasoning? All of that. So those communications during life are also incredibly important so that your power of attorney can step in and help out. So how do you help a family member who may be trying to make a decision, for example, in the financial power of attorney mm-hmm. situation? It's you know, all too common that we often look at sort of the pecking order of the children born. And we say, well, she's the eldest we need to give her power of attorney because she's the eldest. But on the flip side, she's like $100,000 in debt. Yep, and the middle yep. child is the one that saved all the money. But you still feel like you have to give it to the eldest. Absolutely. How do we have as 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 parents some of those difficult conversations with family members without destroying relationships? It's so you're hitting the nail on the head because that's very, very common. And my general word of advice is picking the best person for the job. So with the financial power of attorney nowadays, they do not need to be local. It the nature of dealing with institutions and online and, banks. Yeah, you call. It's it's all over the web nowadays. So having an equal look at the children, and if there's one that's more suited to financial, one that's more suited to healthcare, mm-hmm. picking the best person for the job. At the end of the day, you're exactly right. There may be a child or other children <laughs> that that are kind of left out. My biggest word of advice there is keeping open communication so Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily feel totally shut out of Mm -hmm. what's going on. 
um, giving individuals access to being um, a party that can sign in to an account online, view what's going on, Mm -hmm. viewing the transactions without necessarily initiating, having the power to do that. So they can be involved with Mm -hmm. what's going on with mom or dad. That that really does negate, quite frankly, a lot of the, the hurt feelings, the animosity, because it's open, it's transparent. And frankly, we jokingly share with clients that being named as a financial power of attorney or an executor or trustee is not necessarily a gift. It's a big, <laughs> big deal to do that. Very time consuming. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes as an administration goes on, it it becomes readily apparent of like, well, maybe actually sibling is, is better suited to do that. Right. Um, one of the things we also address through the documents is an authority to delegate. That is not included in every financial power of attorney. It's incredibly important to review these documents with an attorney. We say every year because a lot can change in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we draft a document, one of the things because of that issue is having an authority to delegate in there. So you can have your one kind of child acting as that agent and they can tag in a sibling if needed, delegate down authority to say, here, you deal with this insurance company that I've been playing phone tag with. So it's not solely all on the shoulders of one child. So one thing I think often is a confusing point to people is that the pow- financial power of attorney actually dies with the person. Exactly. And then somebody else may pick a different person a might have been named to mm-hmm. pick up right after they pass. And exactly. and it, people are literally blown away, you know, when their loved one passes, Correct. maybe they're trying to access the money to pay for the burial and they can't. Correct. And that is very oftentimes a surprise. So having those discussions proactively with your team, many times the, the financial power of attorney and the executor are the same person, but the financial power of attorney ceases with passing. Executor has not been appointed yet. So there's it definitely a, <laughs> a little bit of a lag there. Yeah. So one of the things um, I did want to talk about today was those practical things of, of just how to be able to step in, assist. So we'll we'll address that, I'm sure, soon. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lauren. Perfect timing as well. We do have to take a break, but we're going to continue our conversation with Lauren Maxey. She is an attorney and partner with NC Planning, and we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and our guest in the studio is Lauren Maxey. She's an attorney and partner with NC Planning. And uh, Nicole, we're talking all about getting our legal documents and affairs in order. And just before the break, Lauren was teasing us with some tips and tricks that uh, can help us and families and loved ones out with making this process as easy as possible. Awesome. Well, you know, Lauren, I think um, the, t- the the tips and tricks um, for folks, you know, it's, it seems like you're almost entering a secret cavern when you <laughs> enter this whole elder care world. And I guess a lot of people feel like that whenever they enter a world that they're just not familiar with and not living and breathing every day. Mm-hmm. But I would love for you to enlighten us on some of the things that people really need to think about to kind of prepare for the next steps. Happy to do so. And this oftentimes, frankly, is what we spend a lot of our time talking about with clients Because so often, if you've not gone through it, you don't know what to expect. So 
One of the most common uh, items that kind of puts people in a, a bit of a tailspin is getting their hands around things. Mm-hmm. So as you well know, everything's governed by how things are owned and how things are beneficiary designated. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes as we're talking with a child, they say, well, I'm on mom's account and, and I'm, I'm good. We're fine. Yeah. And it's, well, are you a power of attorney on that account? Mm-hmm. Are you a joint owner on mm-hmm. that account? What's what's the true designation? Right. Are you just an authorized party to right. view the account? So really getting our hands around how things are properly owned, what the powers are associated with that, and are they beneficiary designated? That is a big, big piece of it. Um, and we touched on before the break a little bit of the, the lag of time between someone acting as power of attorney, the principal passes, and an executor has not been appointed yet. It is. It differs from family to family mm-hmm. how best to address that little gap, but there's oftentimes many things that need to be paid for, handled yeah. during that gap. Mm-hmm. One of the most common uh, kind of tips or tricks to address, it depends on the family, but if there's, say, a small bank account that is kind of earmarked for paying final expenses, you can add a child as a joint owner with a right of survivorship to that account. Mm-hmm. That right of survivorship is a ownership designation. It will control, and that account solely becomes the child's at their passing, mm-hmm. at the, the parent's passing. That allows the child immediate access, can pull on it, pay funeral expenses, or, or what have you. Yeah, I've seen. I mean, I've seen situations where families are borrowing money from mm-hmm. each other until oh, yeah. that money comes through, which is another point of prepaying burials. Exactly. Probably a really good idea. <laughs> exactly. I, and I'll just echo that yeah. sentiment. <laughs> Because oftentimes I see children paying for the the platinum burial yeah, package yeah. when client I would have been made, fine with the yeah. little box. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's it's kind of when you take care of it, you know exactly what you want, what's right. important. So that is incredibly important, but does not happen oftentimes. So having the ability for a child to step in, certainly if if children are independently wealthy and, and can bridge right. the gap themselves, that's one thing. But the cost of final expenses necessitates many people to be able to have access to mom or dad's funds. To well, and cost. independently wealthy or not, it's just adding it's, another stressor mm-hmm. around the time of dealing with the grief and loss of your loved one. Absolutely. It's just, just yet another thing. You shouldn't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah. You've got it. And so it's by taking these little proactive steps, mm-hmm. adding someone to a smaller account, there are some risk to that. So mm-hmm. this is all just general words of advice. Always consult with your attorney. But when you add someone to an account and that right of survivorship is there, it's theirs. They can do whatever they want. Exactly. They can do whatever they want. So having those communications, that trust, uh, it's also something to be aware of. And and I'm sure you talk a lot about long-term care on this show, but when you add someone as an owner to an account, that is technically a gift of that portion of that account to that person. So if you're potentially in need of Medicaid or veterans pension benefits to help pay for long-term care, you definitely want to associate with an attorney prior to taking any of these planning actions just to avoid any costly mistakes like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's a whole nother show. (laughs) Um, So it's definitely um, ownership beneficiary designations. We talk with our clients very oftentimes about the difference between a will and a trust and it's one of those things we're big believers not everybody needs a trust mm-hmm. and so when it's appropriate putting one in place but making sure beneficiary designations are coordinating with your plan mm-hmm. so if you want things to go to the kids outright having them beneficiary designated 
that'll avoid probate. That'll be a much simpler process than than dealing with the clerk of court. Well, and I think too, you know, you, you, there's sort of this broad term. It's kind of known as estate planning, right? Mm-hmm. And then a lot mm-hmm. of people say, well, I don't need estate planning. I I don't own the Biltmore, and yes, so yes. kind of just getting rid of some of that language. And estate doesn't mean you know this vast yes, tract of land it. with a, with a with mm-hmm. a giant mansion. I mean, what mm-hmm. exactly is estate planning? Absolutely, everybody has an estate, yeah. and so frankly, some of the more contentious and costly administrations we've seen are people just fighting over a simple house. Mm -hmm. So everybody, your estate is comprised of all of your assets, your bank accounts, your retirement accounts, house, car. (laughs) So it is coordinating all of that so it passes efficiently, avoiding essentially what we call probate. And that is after someone passes, if there's not beneficiary designations, if something's not jointly owned with rights to survivorship or already been gifted into a trust or already been gifted to a loved one, when there's no designation of where the asset is supposed to go, probate governs that. And what does that mean? So essentially your last will and testament says here's where things go. If you don't have a last will and testament, North Carolina makes up a plan for you. And it is oftentimes not what people want to have happen to their assets. So having a plan in place, but probate is essentially your executor, or if you don't appoint an executor under your will, an administrator going to court, Mm -hmm. getting appointed. It is a lengthy process because you're having to run a notice to creditors in the paper, filing inventories and accountings, and it is... While North Carolina repealed our estate tax back in 2013, there are some fees associated with this process, so it can be just drawn out and and can get expensive depending on the assets that are passing through there. So given the time, given the headache associated with Mm -hmm. it, we try to avoid it. And that's why you hear so much about probate avoidance and efficiencies of your plan. Okay. Wow. I definitely don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> I'm glad I have a will and all. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. So what else? What are some other tips yeah. and tricks? So again, it's all about the communications. Mm-hmm. So knowledge of how to step in, where things are. Oftentimes nowadays we have so much on computers. So having a cheat sheet of logins and passwords, mm. if I need to get in, where are stuff? I'm going to make a there, <laughs> there you go. Yes. Um, We actually are working on an administration where the deceased had assets in Bitcoin. Oh, my. But no one knows the the password or or key to get in. So it's it's almost like those assets are potentially lost. So we're still searching and and keep us in your prayers. But it is the the lack of communication. Of course, this was an accidental and and no one expected it. But even those of us that um, are younger and, and healthy... You need to have a plan in yeah. place. You need to have the cheat sheet. Um, storage of the documents, where things are. We recommend a fireproof, waterproof safe in the home. Um, it's sometimes attorneys keep documents. We do not. It's it's your plan. You should have them accessible. Certainly call your attorney with questions, but have them accessible in the home. Having the ability to Give your physician a copy if you're going in for your, your right. general checkup. And make sure the people you appoint have copies yes, of what they've been appointed yes. to do and have a conversation around it. That's exactly Super important. It. No big surprise. Hello, mom's in the oh, hospital. Yeah. Make the decisions. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know what she wanted. Well, you see all those yep. those movies about someone been named as guardian yep. and, and get children they never anticipated yeah. to get. Exactly. Um, but no, you're exactly right. Having those communications at a bare minimum 
with the initial primary agent, you don't necessarily have to know all the your secondary yeah, and, yeah. and contingents, but the primary agent needs to know if something happens, I need to step in. Here's where I go. Here's where the fireproof, waterproof safe is. Here's the combination. Um, so frankly, we've had executors trying to break into safes because they don't know the combination. Yeah. Um, again, in those boxes, you don't necessarily need to have account numbers or full balances. It's just, I bank at this bank and I have a yeah. checking account. So the breadcrumbs where someone needs to go if they need to step in and help. So if folks want to reach out to you and get more information, how do they do that? Happy to do it. It's all about just having initial consultation. So they're welcome to look us up online, learn more about the firm. It's ncplanning.com. Very easy, like North Carolina planning, just ncplanning.com. We have a lot of great resources on our website, and that'll also allow you to give us a call. It's 919-900-4720. Happy to sit down and just begin the conversation with your family. Excellent. That's ncplanning.com, or you can call 919-900-4720. Lauren Maxey, partner and attorney with NC Planning. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you for having me. We've got to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your hosts, Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, this is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to switch gears here a little bit and focus little bit more on care and residential care, in fact. And to do that, we've brought in Anne-Marie Casella. She's the founder and CEO of Lynn's Care Village Association. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I love uh, when Anne-Marie comes in because I really love talking about family care homes. Uh, I think they're a very unique uh, opportunity for folks living out in the community, and I don't really think a lot of people know that they exist. They are still a minority option for residential elder care in North Carolina. And I think the reason for that, back in the 60s and 70s, when these homes started to emerge in different states, North Carolina tended to use them for the non-elder group. Right. It was more for, you know, basically disabled, younger folks, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that seem to encompass a great large amount of the zoning allowances within North Carolina. Things are changing now, though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Lynn's Care Village Association actually had our first care home in 2008. Okay. That was one of the first elder care homes wow. in Wake County. Awesome, awesome. From there, we've seen tremendous growth. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, we talk on the show, you know, oftentimes about what nursing home level of care is and rehab facilities. We talk about assisted living, which I know this is all connected. We talk about independent living. We talk about adult daycare centers. But the family care home itself, let's talk a little bit about what some of the nuances are related to those types of communities. Okay. Well, just to clarify, typically an elder care home um, would indeed serve the same needs as assisted living. Right. Assisted living is a service, not necessarily a license. Mm -hmm. um, in North Carolina, family care home license is considered two to six beds. And adult care, which is also assisted living, right. is typically seven beds or higher. Okay. Just the uh, size alone 
creates an intimacy of care mm -hmm. that you probably can't really only compare to having a one-on-one -on -one caregiver at home. Right. And so... I think one of the things that are uniquely special about these homes are that they are homes within neighborhoods that you already live in. You may not even realize one That's is right. there. There is no labeling on the outside. Typically, it's not listed as a business. It is actually defined as a residential property. So the goal is to integrate our elders in, in our, into our communities without feeling uh, singled out. Right. And so what the comment that you made about, you know, a family care home almost being like having one-to-one -one care, I think is great. But I also think there's the added benefit that when you're living in a more communal setting of two to six folks together, you also have what is often missing when people do have that one-on-one -on -one care is that socialization, that ability to do activities together and that sense of family and belonging. Yes, they do become very quickly bonded mm -hmm. to each other as housemates. And you do have very much a feel of a family. People come to visit. It might be somebody's daughter, somebody's son. But they've also made friends with the other housemates in the care homes. So it really is an extension of the family in many ways. Definitely. So if folks are looking at uh, potentially a family care home as an option, what are some things that we should be looking out for when we go to visit? I'd say primarily knowing really what the level of quality of care that facility is providing, mm -hmm. whether it be assisted living, independent, or a care home. You want to make sure that you're going in well-researched mm -hmm. and you're, there is available information online through the Department of Health and Human Services website that you can see some reviews and get some background information on how the facility um, is doing in terms of being compliant with the North Carolina standards for assisted living. So what types of services could a person expect if they move a loved one into a family care home? Very similar to a large facility just like that. Assisted living is providing assistance with all activities for daily living. Okay. Which is really the primary goal of the family care home. And then it also includes all of their meals, all of their snacks, like large facilities also. Many care homes have doctors coming in mm -hmm. site. Um, they have a long-term care pharmacy that delivers their medication. In addition to that, we have education. We have a nurse that comes to assess residents. So it's really very similar um, to a large facility. So when you say assistance with activities of daily living, what do you mean by that? Every small care home is actually required to have a North Carolina certified activity coordinator. Okay. On staff, even if it's for six residents. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those. <laughs> and we love decorating for the season, uh -huh. and just keeping busy. Mm -hmm. Everything from cooking, baking, going out. We actually have a relationship with a local senior day center. Mm -hmm. Every week, I think it's about every Wednesday, our residents go out and socialize with, with other programs. That's just great. to kind of stay busy. Yeah, definitely. And so as far as some of the physical assistance that a person can provide, can receive, if you know, if the people are listening and they're thinking, well, gee, maybe a smaller residential option might be a fit for my mom or dad, what are some of the physical, um, I guess, assistance that you could provide an individual and kind of where does that cut off? The best, um, I, I would say, the best type of resident for a small care home is someone that really needs the intimate care that tends to lend itself to the dementia population. Okay. Where that um, ability cuts off is that currently, and it's been this way for quite some years, but they're really heavily regulating this area right now. If you have a resident, whether they be physically non-ambulatory mm -hmm. 
or cognitively non-ambulatory, which means they require some sort of assistance, verbal prompting, physical assistance to get out of the building in the event of a fire. Okay. The care home now has to be sprinkled if it's a four to six bed license. Sprinkled. Uh, which what, is you mean like it has to have an indoor got it 13 D <laughs> to like, be exact with I know <laughs> to be well, I wish I wish glitter was um was an option because these services are these systems are extremely expensive yes they are wow. and it's really turned the industry on its side yeah in the it last sounds two like years. it is. does but people are committed to this care and they are finding ways to finance a new requirement. Well, that seems hard because I can just imagine, you know, if you've been caring for somebody in your home for a couple of years and then suddenly they're towards end of life and they need, you know, a lot more assistance, you're really caught in a catch-22 there. There have been very, very, um, very sordid stories yeah, of very tearful like discharges yes. recently. Oh, no. With not a lot of forgiveness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But we just have to be prepared for what our our requirements mm-hmm. require us to do. So, but as a general rule, though, you're able to provide assistance if an individual needs assistance with bathing, with dressing, with grooming, all, all of that. functions of ADLs. Okay. And we, our care homes in general tend to keep a resident for five to six years. Oh, wow. We only specialize in mild, moderate, and declining dementia. So that's what you're... And we've okay. taken them all the way into hospice with... Transitions Life Care. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> Way to plug transitions. That's, we love that. <laughs> yeah, we do. Part like of that. our programming. Well, that's it's great, on our though. website as well that, that they're one of our that's preferred great. vendors. So, um, I guess uh, another question that I have about the family care home. Um, so, our, so I'm guessing that you also receive audits like a regular assisted living receives and, and things, things of that nature. You're treated exactly the same. Okay. Which is really pretty powerful yeah when we have to be fully compliant in the same way that a 100 bed or a 200 bed assisted living or a memory care facility um, is required to be so you really need to stay up on your documentation as an administrator so how do uh, a family care homes get paid for uh, typically they are private pay as are large assisted living facilities okay there are a few beds um, remaining in the state, that would be Medicaid okay. funded. There is a VA benefit. Okay. Long-term care insurance does approve family care homes. Okay. Each policy is different, yes, though, so you yes. have to check. You do. And the other, the thing I often like to say about the long-term care insurance policies, a lot of them that were written years ago say nursing home coverage only. But chances are, if you call and you, check your policy, yeah, they'd rather pay a lot less money for a family care home or assisted living community or even in-home care than the fees. That's very true. Yes. So I don't agree. be scared off if your policy only says right. nursing home. We get calls like Do that your all homework. the time. Definitely make that yeah. phone call for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so if folks wanted to get a hold of you how would they go about doing that they can call us mm-hmm. directly at 919-621-9670 okay or they can certainly log on to the web and um, check out our website which is lindscarevillage.com okay and that is also our facebook page and you can see some of our residents in social action awesome excellent that's lindscarevillage.com if you want to find more information online you can also search that on Facebook as well. Anne-Marie Casella, founder and CEO of Lens Care Village Association. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. We have to take a break. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got to uh, 
take care of some business here, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, it's that time again. We need to highlight some of our special friends at Transitions Life Care. And we are going to be talking about community engagement. And to do that, uh, I thought that we should bring in the community engagement representative for well, that, Transitions Life Care. Well, that makes Life a lot Care. of sense. Doesn't it? Yes, it, it does. I'm you impressed. get a gold star for that one. <laughs> I, I think I deserve a medal for this one. I think a big so. Medal. Um, and well, uh, the community engagement representative for Transitions Life Care, our returning guest, Rich Gwaltney. Rich, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Thank you for having me again. You know, uh, Transitions Life Care is so multifaceted and it has so many amazing offerings, not just the direct patient care aspects with the hospice care, the palliative care, the home health, the in-home care, the grief care, the uh, kids program, but really... The base of all of that is providing education to the community about how to handle and have conversations when life kind of hits you with a chronic illness or potentially a life-limiting illness. And so I know that you have been spending the last several years developing quite a menu of services, so to speak, of offerings that are actually available to the community at no charge to really help people open up some conversations. Absolutely. You know, when I uh, became a part of this greater conversation about end-of-life care and uh, aging, uh, you know, it's interesting. My background has been more in the nonprofit field, whether that be education, ministry, spiritual care. Uh, I tell people uh, by saying that I've worked in the nonprofit field for 27 years, that's like saying I've done a lot of things in a lot of places for not a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, not that I'm complaining, but, you know, I, I, th- I think about what we do and what I've done uh, as part of, you know, finding my place in telling our organization story, you know, was, was a journey. Uh, having not a lot of health and medical background, coming in the front door and just wrapping my head, my heart, my hands around not just memorizing stats and figures and facts, that's important, but really getting at the core of what Transitions Life Care was all about. What does a hospice do? And then I found out there's so much more there. And I, and I talk about, uh, really, we, we went down this path of how do we <laughs> dispel what I call myth understandings. Uh, there's myths and misunderstandings about what a hospice is and does. And, you know, as I started to realize it had more to do with life and living than death and dying, we started to refocus our philosophy of engagement to say, well, how do we create a place to engage audiences, not to just present them with a, you know, open up the fire hydrant and just let all the information out, but how do we engage them in the conversations about the things that matter the most with the people that matter the most? Because philosophically, we think about uh, if it has more to do with life and living than death and dying, how do we help people in the community live a life where you leave uh, nothing unfinished, unsaid, or undone. And that's hard to capture in a spreadsheet. It's hard to do <laughs> in an eight-county area. But the idea was, the ethos behind it was, uh, there are things that matter the most to you and to us, and we want to help you live according 
to those priorities. So, so yes, we created uh, an extended menu uh, that helps you know people uh, create a place for that uh, those conversations, whether it's in their faith community, a wellness program, a family night at a at an assisted living facility, anywhere. A I would Rotary say, club, I'm guessing. Exactly, those types of things. Rot- Rotary clubs. I've spoken in some pretty amazing areas that I didn't think would invite a speaker in to speak, uh, but it's just uh, again when you start to think of it as life and living and and those priorities, everyone has them, uh, and we tend to put off a conversation about wanting to see what a hospice does and what it doesn't do and what it's all about. We try to avoid that like we want to avoid death, which right. is understandable. But when we move that back long before someone would need hospice, uh, you know, I've worked with students primarily most of my 27 years prior to this seven uh, at Transitions Life Care. And I just tell people now I have a much older youth group. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're my age and up. But the idea, though, is you know, we all have priorities. So how do we how do we live that life? And, and, and some of these uh, uh, community engagement resources are, are there to create that place. And it's a safe place that if people want to go off menu and ask questions because they know we're from transitions, it gives them a nice platform and a place to do that. So tell me, uh, what are some of the most popular offerings that you provide out into the community for those listening who might have their interests piqued? Sure. Well, you know, when I, when I think about the story we want to tell, we love telling our story, TL 101. Now, we were started, founded 40 years ago this year in 1979, and that's that's really our signature dish. If you're looking at a menu, we we love to cook that's that up. That's the one with the star next to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chef special. Gluten-free option, perhaps? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny to use that illustration because that really does depict what people think about. Uh, when you think about if you're in a group in a community and you want a speaker, um you don't think when you think hospice, that's a heavy item on a menu. Yeah, that, that you, makes people step back. That's like Limburger cheese on the exactly. menu. Exactly, <laughs> and it's heavy. Maybe they don't have an appetite. Maybe you have an aversion to talking yeah. about those things. It's just too much. So we created this menu that kind of had some lighter options that were again more life focused. Uh, maybe you want to go right to the dessert menu and just get something that's going to make you feel good. Uh, so what we started to do is um, we expanded from the TL 101 uh, overview of who we are, what we do, our story. Uh, we have a lot of conversations about advanced directives, uh, making our priorities and wishes known about our health care uh, in case we're unable to make those decisions for ourselves. Um, as that's expanded, we've uh, we found books uh, by best-selling authors where uh, I jokingly tell people it's kind of like Oprah's book club. You have to imagine I'm Oprah, minus a few billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> a little less hair, too. A little less hair. <laughs> um, and there are no uh, no giveaways under your chair. I don't pay off anyone's mortgages. Oh, come on. <laughs> or I uh, send you to my favorite places. But the idea is we're not trying to sell some of these books. Uh, we actually don't even bring them. Uh, what we really are trying to do is to take uh, subject matter written by specialists and create it in, um, deliver it in a creative fashion that allows people to, to you know, get exposed to what's uh, in the contents of the book. So book discussions, uh, one called The Four Things That Matter Most, which deal with those matters of importance in our lives. Uh, you know, people we need to forgive, people we need to seek forgiveness from. Uh, people could use an expression of love from us, people we'd like to thank. And again, that theme of trying to leave a life where nothing's unfinished. Um, and then that sprung into uh, really discussions on the book and the documentary called Being Mortal, 
by Dr. Atul Gawande. Again, just a, a chance to show the documentary and then have a discussion based on the feedback from that. Uh, we also do talks on uh, understanding grief and loss, of course. That's a specialty of ours, both in our grief department as well as for community engagement. Uh, other conversations include, uh, you know, again, we've, we've actually helped with the historic Oakwood Cemetery years ago to start the, for some of the first death cafes in the area, uh, which they've kept going on a consistent basis. And we, uh, we offer that actually kind of death cafe in a box to talk about our mortality. In a box. <laughs> in a box. Oh, my. <laughs> Not a coffin-shaped box, but I do have one of those. Uh, but the idea is to talk about, you know, having conversations about life and death, but all surrounded by good comfort foods and and uh, just uh, to kind of set that conversation at ease. And uh, and that's sprung board into as well, just many other uh, con- you know conversations uh, based on DVDs, uh, consider the conversation series part one and two uh, there's other uh, you know other you know conversations encouraging the heart of a caregiver uh, has been one that we've seen a lot of mileage from because of the caregiving needs in our community uh, one that's very close to my heart one that was chasing me for about 32 years now and I started chasing it back is one called life story and that's uh, really taking a look at your life through the lens of a story uh, walking in the way of a storyteller and just trying to gain meaning and purpose and really to look at your legacy and your legends and how that's really helped to further understand your life's journey. So, so yeah, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of options. Uh, you know, there are some, some options on that menu, like any other restaurant that they pair well together. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Is it a red or a white today? Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, and I think it's just fabulous that um, Transitions Life Care has really put uh, some breath and life behind really trying to take that time to educate the community. You know, you're, you're not going there to try to get a referral for business. You're really just trying to go there to open up a conversation to be a storyteller. So this is not a typical speaking engagement where you have, you know, 75 PowerPoint slides. It really is a very engaged audience having a conversation. And we're, we've been so impressed by these talks. We've often asked Rich to come in and, and talk at our caregiver summits as well, because they are truly very well received. So if folks want to connect with you and have you come in and speak to one of their community groups, how would they go about and do that? There are a couple of ways. Of course, you call into our, uh, our main number. You can go to transitionslifecare.org. <laughs> And you will see under the community engagement tabs there, uh, contact information as well. Uh, there is a new uh, email address called connect uh, at transitionslifecare.org. Connect? Connect at transitionslifecare.org. And that'll go directly to myself and, uh, and our community engagement department to where we can field those requests, to, to which, of course, we like to, you know, we like to tailor to your needs. And some of that uh, has to do with time. Uh, some of that has to do with location and, and, and audience. And, you know, one thing we've really enjoyed about having a menu is that we've noticed just like any menu, some people like to choose, like, uh, going to Panera, they like to pick two or three and, <laughs> and we encourage people to plan a series, uh, to where we can come back, uh, week after week, two, three, four, five part series we've done in the past. It allows us to go deeper in relationship and create even a broader place to have those talks. Transitionslifecare.org is the website there. You can view the full menu that Rich has been uh, referencing there. And you can also email connect at transitionslifecare.org. 
org. Rich Gwaltney, Community Engagement Representative for Transitions Life Care. Thank you so much for joining us. We're out of time for today. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you for listening this evening. We'll hope you'll join us again next Saturday evening at 7 for Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.